Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guest and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most other places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Got an extra buck or two you'd mind tossing in the podcast tip jar? Please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, consider you helping get the word out on the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Prince. When you wake up, each day looks the same. So each day should be a new beginning. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 229. Please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distilleries, ID Chrysler Pine City, the B-Dale Club, and Canine Inspired Change. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a beautiful spring-like day here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Just came from a Canine Inspired Change graduation this morning at River East in St. Paul. Super proud of those kids and dog teams. It's hard to say goodbye after some of these sessions. Last week's gigs wrap up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Good to see my old singing partner, Ella, at the show. She's growing up, and I barely recognize her. Friday, I played a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota. Great to see Len, Linda, Donnie, and the rest of the crew out and about. Saturday, I played a duo show at Seven Brothers in Clayton, Wisconsin. Adam and Mary... Tony, Carlos, Jimmy P, and all our Poco Wisco friends, thanks for coming out. Sunday, played a full band show celebrating the life of Paul Gable at JJ's Pub in Breezy Point, Minnesota. A fun and emotional rundown memory lane with some excellent musicians. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, March 4th, 2020, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, March 6th, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in Wiper Lake, Minnesota from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Saturday, March 7th, I'll be playing a duo show at Commander Bar JJ's Pub in Breezy Point, Minnesota from 5 to 9 p.m. is part two of three with Twin Cities multimedia journalist, legendary Care 11 news anchor, and host of the new online show, What's Next, Diana Pierce. We discuss Hollywood, California, We Are the World, Sly Stone, The Carpenters, Prince, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Diana Pierce, Twin Cities Multimedia Journalist. Thank you for being on the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Part two here with Diana. We're still here in Plymouth, Minnesota at a nice Starbucks here in a beautiful winter day. And uh, we just finished up part one with Diana. And I have a question for you. 
So last episode we were talking about you were possibly you were playing with the idea of doing video and interviewing mu- musicians around the Twin Cities. Yes, yes. So what would be on your list of people that you would like to know more about, maybe some Twin Cities musicians you admired or, or you'd like to have on your show possibly if that ever happened? Yeah, you mentioned one already, Jellybean Johnson. I think he would be an awesome interview. I've, I've seen him actually at a couple events. I, you know, great friends with Mark Arneson, uh, who was like everybody's backup musician in the Twin Cities, it seems like. And so uh, I, I think his stories would be just a rich, you know, verbal retelling of some of the people that he knows and sees. Scotty Miller, you know, I would I'd absolutely go back and do Scotty Miller. You know, I've, I've interviewed... Um, uh, Gary Hines from Sounds of Blackness for the What's Next. I would do it again. Dennis Spears, I just did uh, last uh, in December of 2019. So you know, anybody that, you know, any member of the Steels, but, you know, the Steels would be, you know, fabulous to, to, come to find out, you know, what they're doing. And then uh, Patty Peterson, you know, any of the Petersons. You know, the family, that, that, that they're just, they've got so many, you know, that, and their mom. I, I love stories about their mom. I, I had met their mom, and, you know, the, a precious memory I have of Patty and her brother is my mom was in hospice care uh, in New Hope. And so, you know, I'm with my mom, and she's really not responding too much at, at that particular point, because it was about a week before she passed away. But I'm in her room, and I hear these two people outside start singing, and they are literally sitting outside the window of my mom's room. And so I get ready to go, and I come out, and it's Patty and her brother, and they're singing to their mom, who are sitting at this table outside my mom's room, because she, the, the, the Peterson's mom, was in the same facility. She had just had hip surgery or something like that, and so she was rehabbing, so I don't know if they were singing to her because they were talking about a song that they wanted to sing together as a family, or she had mentioned something and they were doing memories, but I just, I thought that was just so outstanding. And I've met Patty before, you know, in, in times past. But it's like, oh, there's this wonderful music coming from outside. And it's the Petersons, you know. So how cool. That's that's a great story. Yeah, it was just awesome. One thing about Jelly Bean is kind of interesting as well for the what's next thing is that 
he is known as a drummer for the time and for Prince and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But now he redid it. Like he's primarily known now as a guitar player. Yeah. Yes. Switched yeah. instruments. He's yeah. like this total Jimi Hendrix yeah. rock star guy now. And that's what he primarily plays. He says he still has to do the drums to pay the bills. Right. But he's working on this career of being a guitar player. And he yes. has singles he just released. Uh, Put some jelly on it is the one right. he did yeah. last year. <laughs> Too funny. And uh, so that that's awesome. Excited to see the new event center and cocktail lounge at 45th Parallel Distillery. Hope they toss in some live and local music as well. Stay tuned for the grand opening party announcement. 45th Parallel is the family-owned craft distillery in New Richmond, Wisconsin. They opened their doors in 2007 and went from making a single vodka to producing dozens of different spirits, including gins, whiskeys, and citrus liqueurs. 45th Parallel Distillers are committed to a slow craft philosophy, slow fermentation, slow infusion, slow distillation, slow blending, slow aging. Their mission is to create high-quality spirits using local ingredients whenever possible and to provide visitors with a great experience. Stop in and check them out at 1570 Madison Avenue, New Richmond, Wisconsin. Check out 45thparalleldistillery.com for hours and more information. So we're looking for a quality alcoholic beverage to bring to the WrestleMania party, the weekend get-together, the March Madness tournament, or just having a cocktail out and about listening to your favorite local musicians. Try a 45th Parallel Distillery product. You won't be disappointed. Please drink responsibly. Any other local musicians you'd be interested in? Well, it, it just the list gets longer, you know, yeah. the more I think about it. And it, be, it depends on their schedule, you know, and, you know, and it, are they already inducted into the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame? You know, that type of thing. So I, I would want to really be looking at some of the, the folks who kind of, you know, for me in that 50-plus category, I'd like to kind of look to see, you know, they have, a, you know, legendaries, careers, you know, either across the country, but but here, you know, in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. Over your years in broadcasting, have you ever had any interviews with some popular musicians that, that stick out in your mind? Um, it's, it's interesting, because when the groups tour through... They're not available for local media. They might be available for national media now and then, but they're really not here for that. They're here for their fans. They're here for their whatever. So seriously, in all that time, I've never run into anybody that was available that, you know, that they would want to come have a little little sit down, a little chat. Three minutes time, though, for, for local news, that's not enough. You know that. And that's kind of what you're allocated, right? Yeah. So that that part of it is is um, so so no that 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 didn't happen. Now Paul Majors was invited to a couple of uh, um, events out at uh, Prince's place. And so Paisley Park. Yeah. So he he would leave the you know, ten o'clock news, eleven o'clock and he was literally heading out the door. But Prince didn't start then till like two o'clock in the morning. Which was fine on Paul's schedule because, you know, we were kind of more night owls than we were, you know, early morning stuff. But, you know, and he'd come back. And one day, because one of our other producers uh, was such diehard, you know, crawl towards Prince fan in every way possible, he took her, excuse me, with them. And they got pretty close to the stage. And she thought she was going to die of a heart attack. That's how, that's how much she was a Prince fan.
And so this was just so, what a cool experience for them to do that. But he was another one. He did no local interviews, very few. Like, I, so the one that scored on that was Robin Robinson, but she didn't do the interview here. She went up to Fargo to get the interview. He was doing a performance up there. So I don't know if he just had a blanket rule of never doing an interview with anybody locally in the state, you know, because I don't even think Bream was able to, to do that. So, you know, he, he was very particular about who he talked with. Um, so kudos to Robin to getting that. Really, it was, it was a great interview, you know, sit down with Prince, because that just didn't happen hardly ever, you know, at least not on, on a local level. There's a variety of national people like in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that live around here, and you don't really see him on much news stuff, like Paul Westerberg right. and uh, like Brian Setzer. Right, yeah. And you really look around every so often and see if Brian's playing. You know, once in a while he is, you know. Yeah, uh, I'd love to meet him yeah. for sure. Yeah. I had his drummer on, Noah Levy, who's played with the Bodines and 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 uh, Setzer. I've, I like that kind of rockabilly right. guitar style and... and uh, it's cool that he resides here in the Twin Cities. Do you think you'll ever do any more recording of your own? I, I, you know, that's that's such a big question mark. I don't know. I've been encouraged by Mark a couple of times. There's, it's, it's, right now, it's there. There would take a lot of rehearsal to get to a point where I would, you know, feel comfortable on doing stuff. And so, you know, it's kind of dangling in the back of my head. But I, I don't know. I have, I have a deep voice. I don't have the range that I even had, you know, a long time ago. And so I don't know how fun it would be for people listening. I want to make it entertaining for them. You know, I, I'm your harmony gal. You know, if you need backup, I'm not necessarily the lead singer. So, you know, th then that would be fun. If there was a big enough, you know, so it's a benefit, we'll just say it's a benefit to, you know, help something that was close to my heart, then, you know, maybe that would be the case. But you know, th that's kind of how it would go. You know, Don Shelby and I have ended up at different things. You know, his with his blues band and I... And I've done my thing, and you know, but those couple of years ago, and I haven't seen him recently. And and there's, you know, there's not too. And Patty still has her radio show. Geraldine still has her radio show. So it'd be kind of funny, you know, to get the people who are in the media to participate in things. The so thinking back years ago, when We Are the World came out, huge hit, right? Everybody, you know who was anybody in the music industry was part of that. And then there were some very unhappy people who weren't invited that wanted to be part of that, right? And I think there's probably a documentary on that, but they did something very similar in the Twin Cities. They recreated with a different song, We Are the World. And I don't know what happened to that, but there were a whole bunch of Twin Cities musicians. I was part of the recording. So there was probably about 80 to 100 of us in this choir-like thing. We recorded it at Prince's studio. 
I've been driving all week and weekend. Don't even want to know how many miles I put on. Listen to some awesome podcasts, though. Rock some music, thought about life, soaked in the spring-like weather, countryside, all while spending the weekend rambling the Wisconsin and Minnesota highways in my black Jeep Cherokee. I go from ID Chrysler, Pine City, Minnesota. With 250,000 miles, my old car was just too much for the poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, Pine City, and the staff couldn't have been more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple. Time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at idcdjr.com or take the beautiful drive up 35 to 715 Northridge Court Northwest, Pine City, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Thursday, 8 to 6 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 8 to 5 p.m., closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Pine City today and enjoy a safe winter season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. So I'd be kind of curious as to what happened to to that little number. So it was like, so it came out right afterwards. It was within either the 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 following six months or within the uh, within that year. I don't know where the money raised went, but I think it was for an environmental project. But he, but the organizers of that, and I don't think it had anything to do with Prince. We just recorded it out at Paisley. Um, It'd be really curious, you know, what happened to the lost files of, you know, the We Are the World Twin City style, you know. What year would that have been? We'd have to go back and look to see when, when We Are the World came out, because it was right after that. Yeah, so, in the 80s sometime. Yeah, it, it would be, yeah. We had a... No, later 80s. Later 80s. Later 80s, because I got here in 1983, so it'd be later 80s, like 87, 88, 89, kind of right around there, Yeah. I, ha- I do a lot of top five episodes, okay. so I get local musicians together, and we debate, like, the top five Christmas songs of all time, or the uh-huh. top five. Uh, we did just did the top five 1990s country songs. Oh, right, right, right. And one of these, we I, I always play music in between, sure. and I put on We Are the World. Oh, right. And we all sang it on the show. And we were, <laughs> yeah. I think I can imitate every single person oh on gosh. that, because yeah. it's kind of a caricature sure. of their singing style that they sure. do. That's super interesting. I would love to hear to hear that Twin Cities one for sure. Yeah, so it wasn't that song, because obviously, um, you know, Michael Jackson owned it, you know, and whoever else was he mm-hmm. was partners with. But it was very similar style, very similar presentation. And they had a couple of, you know, I wonder if Debbie Duncan was part of that. But, but you know, it was, um, so they had a couple of, you know, well-known vocalists that were that did kind of those parts of it and the, the whole big choir came in you know later but we were up on risers you know so i mean i distinct memory when we did it did we do it on the weekend i'm not quite sure it, but anyway everybody kind of got their their things cleared so they could go participate and i'm pretty sure they had a representative from every television station here in town you know to go do that wow so when you write songs, like you said, you wrote your song, that song for your daughter. Right. Who are your songwriting influences? Oh, excellent. Or favorite songwriters in general? Well, Carpenters. But, you know, and... and uh, I've just been seeing a thing about Carpenters this week. Was it some anniversary or something since she passed, maybe? No, it's a, so I posted my version of uh, Merry Christmas, Darling. Yes. 
So that popped up on, on YouTube, and that probably pop, popped up on something else. Friend of mine who's not, doesn't live here anymore, Drew Jansen is his name, um, yeah, they, they, it is a dyed-in-the-wool Karen Carpenter fan. He's been to their home in California. He's been to, you know, multiple concerts, you know, with, um, uh, oh, gosh, what's her brother's name? He does, he does concerts with I can't images. I can't name either. Yeah, but images of Karen, like, blown 30 feet high, you know, and that's part of the concert. So he does the duets with Karen and, and kind of does the whole holographic type thing. So he had said something, and so I posted, yeah, I kind of responded back to him, and then I thought, well, you know what, I know some people think that I, they think they know that I sing, but they might not know that they I sing. So then I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to put this up on YouTube, and, and I was really concerned that they were going to yank that down because, you know, it was a copyright issue. But then it's like, no, I belonged to ASCAP at the time. We paid all of our dues and royalties. Yep. This is me interpreting, you know, her. And and so they, so it's up. It's up. They let it and stand. And Carpenters are under ASCAP? Y- well, yes, except somebody else now oh, has okay. purchased the entire royalty stuff for all of the Carpenters. So, okay. Um, I, and I... I should know who it is, but it's, it's you know, I don't know. It, they own, um, they've got a big music library. They're a huge music library company. Because um, I ran into a couple other things I was looking at, and it's like, oh, it's that one again. Oh, it's that one again. So, yeah. Um, so I don't know, uh, you know, what the status of that is. But I, so, that, so, yes, I put that up there as a result because people was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you sound like Karen Carpenter reincarnated. And what would she sound like today? You know, that type of thing. So, yeah. And then he recently posted another one of her that I'd never heard. I still am not familiar with. It was from, she was a recording in 1980 uh, or in the 80s. And so I don't know when she passed away, but it had to be kind of prior to her doing that. But it was, you know, kind of a fantastic sound because it almost... It was like a kind of a gateway type sound that you started to hear other people copy, you know, in the early 80s. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting. So I don't know who influenced me per se. Um, my influence, if anything, is from, you know, Christian music going back to wherever. My So this is now, a back, we're, we're going to the Wayback Machine now. So my family um, always had musical influence. So my mom played the organ for church. My dad sang in the church choir. I sang in the church choir. My two brothers, you know, we, I mean, taking piano lessons was, we had to, we couldn't not do that. Oldest brother didn't like it. He started playing guitar. And then he gigged his way through uh, college playing the guitar in all these local bands. Second brother um, played a little guitar, but he was the keyboard guy, and he has continued to be the keyboard guy for multiple bands, you know, through his life. I mean, he retired two years ago because of finger issues. He unretired, like, last year because then all his finger issues were, you know, fixed. I think he had surgery. So, you know, so now he's gigging again. So when we just visited him out in California, he's got his keyboard set up in the garage. He's got his headset on. He's kind of like dinking around. In fact, he even had rehearsal with one of his band members, guitar player, came over while we were visiting him. And so so he's up and running again. And so, but of them, I took 
uh, uh, yet another route. Uh, so when I was in high school, I ended up with this singer group. It was bigger. It was reduced down to, you know, 12 of us, and then it was reduced down to six of us. So <clears throat> I graduated early from uh, high school, moved to Hollywood in 1972. My life took a great turn when Copper the Wonder Golden Eye became part of canine-inspired change. All the heartwarming and memorable experiences we've gained from doing therapy dog work can't be counted or put into words. Graduation at Mila this week couldn't have gone better. So proud of the dog teams and the students. Anxious to start up Union Gospel Mission tonight in St. Paul. Canine Inspired Change is a nonprofit organization dedicated to giving vulnerable youth the social emotional tools they need to be active participants in their schools and their communities. Our work helps these remarkable young people transcend trauma, social struggles, and isolation by sparking meaningful connections with dogs, volunteers, and each other. If you are interested in giving back to the community with your dog or contributing to this worthwhile nonprofit organization, Organization, please look into Canine Inspired Change at canineinspiredchange.org. And my first job during the day was working as a receptionist at Record Plant. You know, so that was even even for me that was still kind of a shock. I grew up in California, but walking into Record Plant and, and having the contact that hired me to do that that was just wild. I mean, that was just the wild west. I can imagine. Yeah, so they had, you know, they had baffles, right? So that's all the sound, you know, deadening things, tie-dyed in the two (laughs) studios that they had. And then over the drum cage area in the second studio, they had draped an American flag. You know, that was like kind of the big no-no. You're not going to desecrate an American flag. but But yet again, it was there. They had marijuana planted in the hanging plants from the skylights down the, you know, the studio stuff, you know. And, again, I'm, I'm very, you know, dumb kid. I didn't know anything. And so, you know, one of the, my, but my work schedule was during the day, so everybody's kind of hung over for night. The, the, I would say the majority of the work was done overnight because the musicians, they were on the night schedule. So I didn't do that. I, my job was to come in in the morning, kind of clean up, you know, beer bottles and put it in the trash and blah, blah, blah. If I had to, I actually physically made sandwiches for any of the things that were going on there. We had a Coke machine that was stocked with Coors beer for 10 cents along with Coke bottles, right? So those two things, right? Again, I hadn't even turned... I was 17 and a half at the time, so not only... I couldn't drink, but I could stock all that stuff because 21 was the drinking age. So, you know, uh, and I remember one guy coming in, kind of, you know, blurry-eyed, and just like, you know, what'd you do with all my joints? And I said, uh, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, I had all my joints over here. And I said, I, I think I threw them out because they were with cigarette butts. At the same, you know, and it's like, and he just came unglued. I mean, he was like a wet cat in my face in a nanosecond. Because he's like, you just threw away my stash. It's like, I had no idea, and don't leave your stuff here. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, so, uh, it, it, like I said, it was the Wild West. We, the, the, the general manager, I, and I think it, it had just happened like the week before I hired. He was, well, let's just, let's just say he was under the influence of drugs at home. 
And so he was taking a shower, and he went, and somehow he crashed the shower. I don't know if he collapsed or whatever. So he had he had his arm broken, and it had stitches and blah, blah, blah. So he would come in there, again, under the influence of, you know, couldn't drive, so somebody would have to drive him down there every so often. So I only met him once or twice during that. But one of the times, you know, and again, I worked with another woman who was kind of like the receptionist for the evening where our, our schedules would overlap about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But... You know, she was there. He showed up, and he's passing this, like, neosinephrine thing around. And he's like, he's like, everybody's taking a hit off of it. And he's like, yeah, you want to have a hit? And I said, no, I'm, I'm good. And I said, so what is it? And he goes, oh, no, it's angel dust. And it's like, you know, what? Yeah, no, no, I'm good. I got to go home. You know, this is not the, because that was my day job. I was singing with this Christian group and rehearsing at night. So that's what I'm experiencing and seeing during Whoa. the day. Craziness. And, you know, and then we're singing, you know, our stuff at, at night. The, so slide the Family Stone. Good friends with the owner of the, the studio. So one week, I only worked at Record Plant for one month. So this is like... It's a, like, every day something was going on at that place. So um, Sly and the family, Sly called up, wanted, so we, so between the two recording studios, they had created this room for, let's just say, in case you needed a break. I'll just put it that way. So there was a waterbed in there. And so he came down on one week and locked himself into the waterbed room for would would whatever he was doing and then the coke machine was like around the corner and it's not cocaine coke machine but you know you know drink coke and so that was kind of around the corner and so he kind of had all of his stuff that he he needed there but it's like what sly the sly was still was here this weekend yep he was here all weekend you know and so it's like you you walk in there and go do i want to clean this up or you know <laughs> so he always want to clean this up but it, it was you know i don't remember whatever was there but you know again this is the rock and roll of Hollywood and I'm at record plant you know so I once in a while I've, I'll go online to see if if that is in the record plant archives and they don't really have too much of those types of stories because I'm thinking all the people that were there when I were there they probably come and gone and, and, and done something else I want to tell you all one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located on the corner of County Road B. And Dale's motto is, a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is a fact. The food at T-Bird's Cafe and Takeaway is always spectacular. Back in college, we used to do this trick pool shot where two of the four balls went into pockets. Later, when I lived on Asbury Street in St. Paul, we'd keep track of how many shots, and I dubbed it Pool Golf played it for years i showed my buddy tommy lee this game and now it's going to be a full-fledged tournament in march i can't wait rob natalie shelley and the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail artists i've been told that are being talked about in these podcast ads the wallers woodhill cocktails a son like hotcakes karaoke live music pool table pool tabs bingo nights bocce ball tournaments and much much more b dale's got it all stop by for a cold one soon so their archives don't have any of those stories, but I don't have any 
video, film, or or pictures to kind of go along with the stories of. So what it was during the day, it was a, I would call legit recording center for film scoring. So the big orchestras or smaller orchestras would come into our bigger room uh, and use that. And again, this is kind of before 24-track day. So we had 16-track definitely in both rooms. It was just kind of state-of-the-art then. And with the idea that if they needed 24-track, they would roll another thing in there, an 8-track machine, to make sure that it was 24-track. you know, 24-track. So, and, and that's all they could do at that particular point. So, you know... Of the groups that came through there, you know, somebody asked me not too long ago, you know, what was the biggest group that came through? And um, it would have been before Stevie Nicks joined the group. She, oh, Fleetwood Mac? Yeah, by about a month. I can't help about the shape I'm in. I can't sing. I ain't pretty and my legs are thin. But don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to. So Fleetwood Mac was in there recording before Stevie Nicks joined them. By, like I said, like a month. It was that transition period before, you know, wow. she joined them. And so, you know, they were kind of coming and going. So that was that was kind of a pretty... Again, I was only there for a month. So I was like, I'm trying to figure out who the rest of the people that are, that are coming and going. All these stories only working there for a month. I, I know. So, so I left. So I was fired, right, because I... I think ultimately the guy wanted to sleep with whoever the next receptionist was, and I think he had somebody lined up for. I mean, but you know, again, you know, that was the deal. And uh, so I went on my next recording studio then, because uh, one of the guys took pity on me. He said, hey, I know somebody down the street, they, they need a receptionist too. And so uh, I went to, it was called TK Recording, and it was came out of Sunset Recording, which was owned by Pat Boone. <laughs> On a day like today, we pass the time away riding. Pat Boone was in the process of selling it. He had his own recording studio to this guy, uh, T. Curtis, so TK, out of Argentina. They had had a recording studio down there, blah, blah. They spoke Hungarian and Spanish and about five words of English. They needed and desperately to, to have somebody answer the phone in English. So I was hired. And so I worked for them for about, I don't know, six months or so. But the again, people in and out, in and out the entire time. But the biggest one that came out of there during the time I was there, so again, that was 1972, was a woman called Helen Reddy. She recorded I Am Woman there. And I heard that mixed a hundred thousand times. So by the time it came out in 1973, which I had already left LA, I was, you know, back home going to junior college at the time. I'm like, if I hear this song one more time, I'm going to puke because, you know, I had heard it so much at the time. Yeah. and, And the other thing that was so weird, so weird is... 
like, and I don't recall this gentleman's name, but Doris Day's son. It's uh, uh, Terry. He wrote, he was involved with the Manson family, and then he ended up writing the song. Okay, so it's Terry. But guess what 80s song he ended up writing? Kokomo for the Beach Boys. Oh, really? Yes. Doris Day's son yeah. that was involved with Manson or whatever. Right. Went into hiding, came back and wrote the song Kokomo, but it's... it's. Uh... So that had already happened. So the Manson thing had already happened. But I remember being at the, at the reception desk, and so it was Helen Reddy, and I think her husband, and it was Terry and somebody else. And you're all standing out in the, in the hallway, and I didn't know who Terry was at the time. And, and so the person, one of the musicians that came in there, and I said, uh, who's that? They're having this big conversation out there. And he's like, oh, no, that's the guy that was, you know, they were trying to find, Manson was trying to find. And I'm, you know, and it's like, whoa, you know, um, and and they continued their conversation for not too much. So I assume that he produced that record or had something to do with that record because he, you typically you would not have been inside, you know, the recording studio unless you had something to do with what what's going on. And so, uh, but it, it just it, so that was still fresh, kind of at the time. And it was just so weird to know, wow, it's just, you know, seven degrees of separation in, in yeah. that city. And, uh, you know, such a tragedy and all the rest of that. But I just, it was just weird going, oh, man, they were trying to find you. Oof. It was oof. Terry Melcher. Yes, yes. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Diana, I got to close her off for part two. Do you mind doing one more quick one? Ask a couple more questions. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Okay, thank Absolutely. you, Diana Sorry. Pierce. Thanks so much for being on the Mark Stary Music Podcast. Please tune in next week to the final episode, part three. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distillery, ID Chrysler Pine City, The B-Dale Club, and K9 Inspired Change. This is also a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging in iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. One Friday night on the Selby corner, cops drove by when I was selling marijuana. Cell hotter than a sauna Was just 17 and sure it was a corner Despite receiving the best from my mama No one could save me, not even Dalai Lama Living my life like a Scorsese and drama Got me locked up and wearing jumpsuit pajamas Yeah, yeah, yeah When 
and I finally grew some brains under my lid. Got myself work, a car, made a kid from the street life. I managed to stay ahead and keep between the ditches, God forbid. Now years later, I've heavy eyelids from losing sleep over the things I did. Can't say how much I'm so glad to be rid of those teenage years, but I hit the skits. One Friday night on the Selby corner, cops drove by when I was selling marijuana. Threw me in a jail cell hotter than a sauna. Was just 17 and sure I was a corner. Despite receiving the best from my farmer, no one could save me, not even Dalai Lama. Living my life like a Scorsese and drama. Got me locked up and wearing jumpsuit pajamas. And crime had been chewed up and spit out in my prime. So Sunday mornings when I rise and shine, I head downtown on my own dime to share my story with kids on pads like mine. Trying to wake them up while they do with their time. One Friday night on the Selby corner, cops drove by when I was selling marijuana. Threw me in a jail cell hotter than a sauna. Was just 17 and sure I was a corner. Despite receiving the best from my mama, no one could save me, not even Dalai Lama. Jumpsuit pajamas.